Here's a place where all of us can be safe. Our stories of transformation can be safe, and all the things we want to research are safe here. This is Safe Space with Cheyenne. I'm really excited you're here, and I hope you stick around for a while, because I've got a lot to show you before I leave Earth. I love you guys. Okay, for all my people that uh, listen to Spiritual Smorgasbord, I have brought one of my favorite TikTokers back. It is Vinny Bag of Donuts, and he is here to talk about whatever the hell we want to talk about, and psychedelics, because we know we want to talk about psychedelics <laughs> and mushrooms and la 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 la, but uh, we've had a nice 33-minute warm-up, you know, la 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 la, so um, yeah, we're just going to talk about whatever the heck we want and figure it out down the road. We've definitely been pinging off. Right now, I was just... Uh, letting him know about the whole, the Vow um, documentary on, what, HBO Max, and just the little excerpt I've gave him, he's like, what the fuck is going on here? So I'm sure he'll go do his own research, whatever. But Vinny, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming on the new project with me. And um, for anybody that wants to hear more of Vinny's story, you definitely can go back over to Spiritual Smorgasbord and check him out on season three. And then we also had a follow-up episode where we expanded more on the things that he brought. But um, you're literally one of my favorite TikTokers. I love your content. I love how it's grown. He's the first guy that blew my mind about uh, Dolores Cannon and Nostradamus talking in, I call it the infinity timeline. So okay. um, I always, always, always just... Not only do I love the information, but I love how enthusiastic you are in your videos. <laughs> and you're like, listen to this. Okay. Well, thank you for saying all of that. I am so excited to hear that I'm your favorite TikToker because I don't get feedback like that all the time. Um, and thanks for having me back after the episode on Spiritual Smorgasbord. That was great fun. So I am excited that you reached back out to me to bring me here for this episode. Um, yeah, I figured today I wanted to talk about something that was completely like not... Um, on brand for the type of content I produce usually over on TikTok and now on YouTube because I do have a channel there that's growing very slowly. I mean snail's pace, <laughs> but it's growing, so we're happy about that. Um, but like you said, normally I talk about psychedelics. Um, that's like, like my main interest sphere. Um, so I figured today I'd completely like talk about not quite the opposite of that, but just something that has nothing to do with that. Um, and a bit to challenge myself, and also in a bit to kind of show that I'm not a one-trick pony. I do have other thoughts going on in my head. <laughs> um, That's so funny. But, uh, yeah, so I was thinking about, I came across this, um, I can't remember if it was a TikTok video or if it was just an article that got recommended to me by Google about the fact that all of the normal rhetoric that we hear by, um, like, older generations shitting on younger generations is not novel. That rhetoric has been around since literally Aristotle in like 500 BC. And I mean, as long as we have like written word, we've had old people shitting on younger people and using the exact same talking points. I mean, almost verbatim the same talking points. So the first one that I thought I'd bring up is nobody wants to work anymore because that's really popular right now because we have like a massive shortage of employees yet when you look at it i just looked this up yesterday our unemployment rate as of last month is 3.7 percent which is like pretty fucking low so people are working but it doesn't seem like they're working because all of the um 
I guess like, you know, restaurants and like customer service facing positions seem to be out of work. So what I literally found was a, like a collage of news article clippings that all say the same goddamn thing. Right? So 2022, according to a new survey released by Tiny Pulse, one five executive leaders agree with the statement, quote, no one wants to work. And that's from this year, right? And then if we go back, um, in, was 1979, literally just, quote, nobody wants to work anymore by a disgusted businessman. And I don't have the actual news sources for this. It's just a collage I found online. But if we can go back even further, all the way to 1894, it's becoming apparent that nobody wants to work these hard times. So the it's, it's always been around that the current working population thinks that the new and upcoming population doesn't want to work anymore. Um, and what I think causes that is that, and you talked about it a little bit in our, like, before the podcast started, um, how, like, generations evolve so rapidly and there's like new things happening like with uh add to cart culture right there's new ways to get products and there's also new ways to get products out so you have and especially with like the pandemic that just happened you had like this massive shift in how people are conceptualizing working and how they're going about actually doing work so all of these jobs especially you know retail and food service industry there's people who are working those jobs that are like, hey, I can make money doing something else. So they just left, and now we have a massive void there. So it seems like nobody wants to work, but we're all we're, we're working. We want to work. You know, we want the money, and so we're all actually, you know, working. It just seems like we're not working. So that that that's a lot about what I want to go into um, for, like, the majority of this podcast is how – um, like different novel quotes or not not novel quotes but different like common rhetoric surrounding older generations shitting on younger generations and then also providing another example from years ago up to hundreds if not thousands of years ago of that exact same rhetoric being used so like it's not a, a new idea but I think you also brought up um, when I first emailed you about like this idea talking about um, how much harder it is growing up today and like getting into the workforce and like paying for things. So I grabbed a little bit of information about like finances um, as they exist today and as they existed in, I just chose 1970 arbitrarily because it's like 50 years ago, so that'd be a good time frame. Um, but then I found out that in 1970, there was actually like an economic downturn. So it probably wasn't the best year to pick, but whatever, it's, it's still interesting to look at the numbers, I think. I would like my role in this episode to be devil's advocate to the things that you present because cool. there's, there's so many like questions that I want to ask you just to get your opinion as you're giving your intro just based on like my direct experience with working with payroll with different states and different ways that you can pay people especially in the customer service and the restaurant industry mm -hmm. um, when you're a guest going into a restaurant all you know is that you have to tip your server, and if you don't, you're a piece of shit. But yeah. legally, I want to explain why the server's kind of fucked if you don't tip them based on the legislation that they have been forced to work under. Mm -hmm. And then I want to present the conditioning of us growing up and going from a culture that wasn't trained to question to now we have cultures that are questioned to, to question everything. Yeah. And when we go to these older generations and we're like, 
well, why is minimum wage this amount, but rent keeps going up and prices of goods keep going up and inflation keeps going up, but my pay doesn't go up, but my taxes get bigger. And when you ask yep. when you ask people that, they either don't have the answer, they have a weird political divisive statement, they tell you to vote for a certain party so it'll fucking change, shut the fuck up. And, yeah, right. No. Right, like two wings of the same bird ain't going to fly acting like that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and then just kind of like the stonewalling you get from people either not wanting to do the research or honestly being scared of like break the illusion of their own programming, right? Because if you write it down on paper... Just, okay, I make this much, it costs this much to live, all these taxes are taken out, like, don't even get me started on if anybody's actually going to get Social Security by the time we're old and all that stuff, like, I feel like we could really go down, like, coin it like a conspiracy rabbit hole, but we're really just, like, observing and not attaching to any of the things that we're discussing today, we're just, like, we're asking why, why is it this way, who implemented this? And again, like my direct experience, thank God, like I understand a lot of the back office stuff that people don't see when they're walking into these businesses. All they want to see is someone being like, your job's not hard. Why don't you want to work? And it's just like, I would like to work, but I actually just found out that my time and my energy are the two biggest currencies. Money is not the biggest currency. That's what we've yeah, exactly. been trained to, right? But now that I find out that I can actually maximize my time, keep more of my energy for myself and the things that I want to do for my life, I'm not adhering to the standard that I was indoctrinated in to believe. Yeah. And that's really okay. fucking hard to break away from. So that's yeah. why I was like, I want to be the devil's advocate, not necessarily towards you, but towards your articles, because this is something that I have always questioned even when I was deep in my corporate job and I took my salary and I believed in the ladder of get the job, get the 401k, get the retirement plan, get the promotions because I got all of that shit and I was, my soul was sucked fucking dry and I was dead inside and I did not, I was like, this is life. This is not yeah. life. You know what I mean? Exactly. So I definitely want you to take it away, but I have some strong interjections that I'm excited to <laughs> of share course. with you. Go for it. Um, yeah, let's just start with the working the working topic. Um, and I think I agree with a lot of like the direction that you were going. The reason it seems like people don't want to work anymore is, like I said, we're finding different ways to work, and our values surrounding work are completely different. You know, the the, the conditioning, especially like growing up is you know you you go to work eight hours a day you, you you clock in you do your shit you clock out and that's it and then you add it all up and that's eight hours a day five days a week 52 weeks a year for what 40 50 years or whatever i mean people aren't even retiring anymore it's they're like just dying 70, still at work it's like 75 um, now yeah exactly i mean i got checked out by a cashier this morning who was like in her late 60s i'm like how it, it makes me like sick to see people still that old still working and i know there's like some people that just like continue working because like they want to be doing something which is fine but then there are also people who are like still relying oh, like, on so having a job at yeah. that age and i'm like oh you know so i think that there is definitely a there's been a massive cultural shift surrounding the way that the up-and-coming working generation views work it is no longer um what's the word i want to use here I want to say necessity, but it's no longer a necessity for, I guess, happiness. 
you know, our, our parents and even their parents identified a lot with their job. And, you know, that was like a part of their personality. And for us, your job is just like, eh, it's something you do. So, it was also a part of their self-worth, though, and how they were able to fit into society. Exactly. I'm a doctor. I'm a janitor. Which one yeah. are you going to be more gummy to? Which yeah. one are you going to be like, oh, you didn't, what'd you do to fuck up your life that you became a janitor? And it's like, janitors actually make really good money, you fucking Janitors asshole. make great money. Yeah. Great <laughs> fucking money, and most of them are part of unions. Like, yeah. Like, the perception that I am my job. And, mm -hmm. oh, if I don't have this great title, this thing behind my name, then I'm not going to go and be accepted by higher ranks of society that all mm -hmm. of us at the end of the day, like, we all just want to fit in wherever we want to mm -hmm. fit in at. But that higher society that when you walk into a room, everybody goes, oh, my God, do you know what they do? Oh, they're so successful. They're so wonderful. Blah, 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 blah. Like, at the end of the day, everybody kind of wants that. Mm -hmm. But... It's just kind of fucking weird that we somehow have trained each other to, it's kind of like a Muhammad Ali quote I watched where he was like, I always watch people and if they weren't nice to the serving staff, then I really didn't trust them because the only reason you're being nice to me is because I, I'm the successful boxer, I'm mm -hmm. this, I'm this. But if that were me as the waiter, you wouldn't have even given me the time of day. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I definitely think that, that that, like, kind of ideology is going away where you are your job and people are putting, especially, like, people my age, are putting less value into the, the title of the job that they work. And it's more about how much can you get away with not doing and how much time do you have for yourself now? You know, how much time do you have to pursue those personal hobbies outside of work? How much energy do you have and how much do you enjoy going to work because of how much it doesn't drain you you know people are no longer working 80 hour weeks or you know these insane hours just to you know say i worked this long um as some sort of you know badge of honor that you wear because of how much time of your life you've given away to a company that would replace you in a heartbeat if something happened to you you know so that is where i think a lot of the the current perspective surrounding why no one wants to work anymore is that we want to work, and we don't have a problem with working, but we are constantly looking for ways to make the same amount of money in less time and have more time for ourselves. That's that's becoming a greater value than um, how high you can climb the corporate ladder. Mm -hmm. I don't think people are, and this is a very broad statement, I'm sure people are, but I don't think people are as concerned about climbing the corporate ladder any more as like our parents would have been, you know? Absolutely. And I mean, obviously, you really have to give it to 2020 for all of us having to face ourselves. Yeah. Because there's so many people truly in the world that had no choice but to sit at home. And whether, like, you were on TikTok, you were playing video games, you sat in the same pajama for five days, and you gained the 20, 40, 50, 60 pounds that you did while you were in lockdown, there was a mass awakening in human consciousness and just the perception that they had on their value in life because so many people's values were based on productivity of their job of receiving their paycheck not that we get them in paper form anymore but receiving yeah. your paycheck at the end of the day and being like this number represents how valuable i am to this capitalistic society and now we have people sitting down and affirming to themselves with proper breath work and intention 
and saying, I have value in just existing. If mm -hmm. I just sit here today and I don't do a gut, if I don't clean my house, if I don't fucking shower, if I just want to binge Netflix or watch a book, I still have a right to exist and I'm still worthy of this existence outside of productivity. So my question for myself when I have these thoughts is I'm like, who instilled in us that our, our only value was participating in a capitalistic society? It was our I, corporate overlords, don't you know? Well, <laughs> let's talk about it, you know? Because then yeah. there's so, like, there's so many, again, like the devil's advocate, there's so many indoctrinated banters that will just come back and play another voice in my head. And it's just like, well, well, what do you want? Do you want, like, the whole thing? Do you want the whole thing to fall apart? Do you want to go yes. to a grocery store and not be able to get stuff? Do you want this? Do you want this? And I'm like, there's, there's no problem with accepting that the systems are flawed and broken and mm -hmm. kind of made against us the people that oh, are doing yeah. all the thing like at the end of the day people can knock all they fucking want on multi-level multi-level marketing schemes but look at the fucking way the workforce is set up the people mm -hmm. doing the hardest amount of labor get the least amount of pay and the mm -hmm. people that don't do fucking shit but basically act like talking heads for their company and sign papers that somebody else puts in front of them make the most amount of money and make the decisions for all the people that are actually doing the hardest mm -hmm. labor or the hardest pencil pushing. And oh yeah. Like, you see, I, I see that from like a corporate perspective and I'm just like, all these people would come in and they're so fucking idolized and their lives are, oh, they travel around everywhere. They talk to people, they go to meetings, they do this, they do this. Oh, they work so hard on their fucking spreadsheets for the company and I'm just like, <laughs> Why are we idolizing these yeah. people? You know yeah. that they have black cards that they spend on strippers? <laughs> and I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but do you think their wife knows? Hmm? Yeah, right? You know? Right? Because I've seen, like, I worked with people, not going to name the names or the places I worked. I walked in and, like, I remember I walked in and there was a manager who just got done snorting cocaine in the back of the store. And he still had sugar boogers in his nose <laughs> <laughs> and I walked up to him and I was like you still got some sugar booger in your nose dude and he's like oh ugh, ugh. and he just like made something stupid up to like obviously convince yeah. me that he wasn't just snorting coke in the back yeah but I was just like this happens these people with these titles in whatever company you want to call it they have this illusion that they can hide behind these labels and then the people below them doing this hard work to be recognized and to want to get to that level. Like when you actually get to that level, it's like, oh, this is not what I thought it was at all. You, mm -hmm. you guys are all fuckers. <laughs> You're a liar. You're all shit. Yeah, yeah. This is, this is not fun. I don't even know who I am anymore because I actually outsourced myself to this belief. This is insane. But again, I also think it's part of the journey, so I don't want to be like, oh, horror story, horror story, but I'm just like, these are experiences that I saw. And mm -hmm. it's the funniest fucking meme in the world, right? Because when you're like an adolescent, you're in your 20s, you're going and experimenting, you're seeing other people experimenting, what, whether you want to give into peer pressure or not, or just be curious of like, what would that feel like? Why, why do people do that? Um, the older I got, I was like, oh, it'll be great when I'm an adult because I won't be around people with like all these crazy addictions. 
And then nope. finally, <laughs> yeah, finally at like 23, yeah, 23 or 24 is when I started managing my own places. And um, I was like, I think the weirdest thing about adulthood is realizing how many people actually do cocaine and other substances <laughs> to get through their day. Like these are functioning addicts yeah. that portray themselves that they have their shit together. And I am technically supposed to look up to you because you can fill out a P&L sheet properly. Sure. <laughs> this blow, like, again. But you need to run a lot of coke to be able to get it done, right? Yeah. You know, and it's just like, I remember I worked with a guy who, um, like, 8 a.m. in the morning, he would be like, do you want to know what's in my Yeti? And I was like, no. Is, is it, it the, vodka? I said, is it vodka missing from my inventory that I haven't been able <laughs> to find for six weeks? And he's like, no, no, that's not me. But he was the only other guy with the key to the liquor cabinet, and I don't drink. I smoke mm-hmm. weed off the <laughs> clock because I learned my lesson in my yeah. younger years that I can't go to work high. I'm fucking dumb. You sure. Know? I'm like, I'm not one of those people that can function and do that. Like, I have found a, a lot of um, surprises in sobriety <laughs> that I didn't know I was capable of doing, which obviously I found out was I vibe pretty fucking high and I understand why I wanted to like come down so I could like fit in and not be like all the time and now I just kind of pride myself on like being the golden retriever in the situation yeah of course okay yeah I'm gonna go back to my bed now you guys are done with me it's fine but have you had experiences like that especially growing up where you're just like there's so many people doing fucked up shit that I just I did not Realize this I is haven't, part of adulthood. Yeah, I haven't made it high enough in any like capacity at my jobs. Like my, I guess not most recent job, but I was like a manager at like a very small grocery store, and like the only person really above me was the person who owned the store, and he wasn't fucking insane like that. I mean, he was a goofball, but he wasn't like doing a bunch of cocaine and stealing fucking liquor from shit. But um, <laughs> yeah, I guess I haven't seen any of that firsthand. I will take your word for it that's happening because it's it's definitely believable. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have a bunch of friends that do drugs, not like cocaine, but like just drugs casually and like go to work high and shit and are completely normal functioning, but they're not like really high ups. They're like, you know, just people like me who are, you know, kind of bottom level. I think um, everybody has the vices, right? Like my newest vice is this sweet little... Dude, I got- Pin. Same exact thing, different flavor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm like two months into this and I'm already realizing the neuroplast- neuroplasticity, neuroplasticity that's uh, coming up in my brain and how much like I thoroughly enjoy it. But this is the last vice next to french fries that I have. And um, oh, that's good. That's, that's pretty good for me. Like, yeah, that's really I'm, good. I pat myself on the back. I'm like, oh man, okay, I'm not going to buy another one. And then I'm like, I just... I really like it's this just, thing. I'm yeah. not going to keep it forever. I I know that that's not the trick, but everybody has their vices. So I don't want anyone oh, yeah. to be like, oh, you guys are super judgmental and like standing on a moral high ground. No, this is an observe, don't attach conversation. Sure. And um, yeah, if like, if, if you're a, a fun, maybe not even a functioning addict, but I worked with a girl, she was so happy all the time. And I was like, I would just love to attain the happiness that she has when she comes to work. I later found out that she popped ecstasy every day before work. Hell yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, 
Well, I... That makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> Like, if I popped ecstasy every day, I'd be petting the fucking walls. Like, the snozberries oh taste God. like snozberries. So, apparently, like, not a good example to follow, right? But yeah. I'm, always, I'm always interested when I meet people. I'm like, what gets you out of bed? Is it coffee? Is it, is it prayer? Is, is, it something, is it something that I can actually, like, maybe add value to my life or is it actually yeah. going to hinder the person and the values that I would like to uphold for myself? Um, speaking of coffee, and this is just completely tangent, like we just had Christmas or whatever. Um, and I asked my mother for an espresso maker and she got me an espresso maker. And so I'm super thankful for that. It's fantastic. I love being able to make homemade espresso. And I am, I, I made this joke like a little while ago to my girlfriend and I was like, I want to become like a, an annoying coffee snob. Like, I want to go out, yeah, I want to go out and, like, be able to, like, pick out coffee based on what specific region of the world it's from and know, like, yeah, that's a good coffee and that's my taste and, like, not and like, only drink coffee that was ground that day and roasted, you know, like, become an annoying, awful coffee snob. So I'm, I'm gradually approaching that that echelon because now I have a homemade espresso maker and that's what I've been drinking every so morning for the past couple of days. So your research as far as like what companies to go dive deep into and figure out the origin of their coffee beans? So I missed a little bit of the beginning of your statement there, but um, yeah, I haven't... Yeah, I'm going to get into it is my thing. Yeah, I haven't begun researching a ton about the coffee because I was just like, I had a bag of coffee already that is an espresso, so I can't quite use it in the maker. Um... But the bag of espresso that my mother gave me with the coffee maker, I was looking at, and I know that coffee is a very high, um, like, slave labor trade. Um, and so I don't want to, like, be purchasing. How do you know I was going there, Vinny? <laughs> right? <laughs> um, so I don't want to be, like, purchasing coffee that, like, contributes to slave trade. And so I know that, like, fair trade is a very important thing to have when you're purchasing coffee, but also, like, knowing the company that's producing it and the growers that's producing it and then whether or not the cultivators are being and, like, the actual, you know, bean pickers are um, being compensated fairly for their wages and, like, actually being treated well is a big thing. Um, so I definitely, once I go to purchase my own individual bag of espresso coffee, I will make sure that I do all of that important research and i'll come back and talk about you know um you good coffee brands to buy <laughs> black rifle coffee company black rifle i haven't i just finished up a bag of death wish that stuff was pretty good yeah death wish it. it's supposed to have like the highest caffeine content of any coffee although caffeine in coffee doesn't affect me as much as i feel like it should because I can, like, I had a whole cup of espresso this morning, and I could probably have another right now, and I wouldn't be, like, jittery, because um, I am also, I guess, just kind of naturally energetic. Mm -hmm. So I just like coffee. I mean, the, the flavor of it. I drink, recently I've been drinking it just straight black, but, um, yes, now I just drink it for, like, the flavor of it, I guess. That's good, though. So Black Rifle, um, I'll speak from when I first, I don't know what it's evolved to. It's pretty huge mm -hmm. now. But it started out as veterans, like United States yeah. veterans making it. So, like, they would fund a bunch of veteran projects and stuff. My yeah, favorite story about it, like, my brother's 
the influence of our family. Like he'll bring a product and he'll be like, hey, try this, this works for me. And then before you know it, everybody in our family is ordering it. So my mom was buying so much Black Rifle coffee. She was buying the t-shirts, the mugs, everything. And I took my husband now, my boyfriend at the time, back home to meet my family for the first time. And um, I was like, okay, family, like be normal. He hasn't proposed yet, right? <laughs> and um, we walk out of my bedroom. It's probably the second interaction my boyfriend's had with my mom. We walk out and my mom's kneading dough on the counter. She's making okay. homemade bread. And she's like, hi guys, good morning. Do you want some coffee? And he's like, oh, yeah, I'd love a cup. And she goes, okay, well, I'm out of my regular coffee, but I have better than a blowjob in the coffee maker. So if you want some of that, it's from Black Rifle Coffee. And she goes, but be careful. It's got quite a punch. And, like, she doesn't skip a fucking beat. <laughs> and, and, oh, like, my God. Like, right when we wake up, I was like, Mom, come on. Like, <laughs> God, you know, because, like, we're, we're very open dialogue family. We'll talk about Real anything. Shit. But this company did such a good job at naming their coffee flavors. Just funny fucking shit that yeah. you can talk about. So better than a blowjob was like my mom would wake up and she'd just be giggle, giggling making her coffee because it was like <laughs> such, such a funny, vulgar thing. And they have, I mean, they have so many things, but they have levels of like... Mm-hmm how jack do you want to be with your coffee because there's like regular stuff where you're like i'm not gonna shake and then Mm -hmm. there's other stuff where it's like i'm a fucking rocket and i'm about to take (laughs) off you know so we usually still get gifted it i know that we just got some for christmas and it like it's a staple in most of the gifts that we get like my mom just enjoys finding like funny products like that and being like (laughs) i hope you enjoy your blowjob coffee love you guys (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's fantastic so if, you're, oh my God. if you're looking for a company i mean i i can't speak on any of the sources or anything but i can say that they do take a high percentage and actually give back to communities which mm-hmm. those are the products if it's a small business that's giving back to their own community or if it's a bigger business giving back to you mm-hmm. know the world those are the people that i start to look to to support now and switch out a lot of the corporate corporations that I had been um, giving my money to. Okay, so I think that's another generational difference that's happened as of recently. We give a shit what the companies are doing that we're, we're purchasing from. Beforehand, it was, you know, whoever's the biggest company that makes the best ad, and now it's like, we're actually looking into who's running the company, what's happening with the company behind the scenes, and whether or not we're going to give this company our money because of how they're treating their employees. Like, literally this year, I think it was it Kraft Foods, or was it, I don't think it was Kellogg's, but they took all of the little labels off of their box. It was Pop-Tarts. Whoever makes Pop-Tarts? I think that might be Kellogg's. Um, they took the label off of the box because there was this big fucking thing about how shittily they were treating their employees and so now you wouldn't recognize what is a Kellogg's brand so you'd continue to support Kellogg's without even knowing it because like they had to adjust every single product that they sold and how it was being displayed on the shelves because of how conscious consumers are today about who they're supporting um, so I stopped purchasing like Pop-Tarts, and even Cheez-Its was a big one that I was upset about because Cheez-Its was 
I can't remember if it was Kellogg's or if it was like a subsidiary or whatever the fuck, but Cheez-Its was also in there, and I was upset about that because I love Cheez-Its, but I haven't had them Dude. since, and it, it makes me sad. Have you ever tried big Cheez-Its? They're like this the, big? Do you like the extra big ones? Yeah, they're fantastic. Yeah. So I, obsessed with those, grew up on them. Like, I used to send boxes of them, like, or I shouldn't say I, we, my mom, sent care packages while my brother and sister were on Iraq of big Cheez-Its, like, Big fucking supporter my whole life. Oh, my God. Yeah. I started getting into researching the chemicals on the back of my labels, doing my own research to figure out what, basically, like, what carcinogens and synthetic mm-hmm. chemicals that my body was refusing to break down um, were in. And one of the last things that I started researching was the chemicals in my big Cheez-Its. And when mm. you go to clean eating and eating, like, really fucking good greens, good fruits, cutting out all the processed, your taste buds start changing because mm-hmm. there's so much bullshit in it that it actually suppresses your taste buds where you have to have more seasonings on top. So I was salting the fuck out of everything because I couldn't taste it. So in about a six-week period, my taste buds were, like, overchanging. I was getting good. And then I would still have random cravings for, like, all the fun, shitty food I like to eat. Yeah. And I grabbed, we put Cheez-Its in the freezer because they were fucking delicious. It's something my husband taught me. And I put a Cheez-It in my mouth one day, and it literally tasted like chemicals to me. Mm-hmm. The, the crispy, wonderful, cheesy, salty, delicious taste that I used to fucking thrive on for yeah. basically a dopamine hit. Um, yeah. I was like, why does this taste like chemicals? That's so weird. And I was scared because I, I could already feel it coming up that I was ingesting something that was not for my better self. Yeah. And then um, I ended up having to cut it out completely where even when I still go to the grocery store these days, I see them on the shelf and I go, oh, baby, why'd you have <laughs> to do that? You know, and I was just like, for my health, I understand that there are chemicals in here that are not good for my body. I'm mm-hmm. not going to get into a whole conspiracy thing where it's like trying to dumb me down and fucking kill me. But that product's not good for my body. So I, I yeah. actually, no matter how much I love it, I have to move on. Now, back to your thing about not only supporting what the companies like let's talk about companies belief systems and how i loved chick-fil-a when i moved to kansas city i had never grown Mm. up around a chick-fil-a i was 23 years old when i was able to go to a chick-fil-a whenever the fuck i wanted right and i was like i fucking love chicken and i love fucking waffle fries and i love the polynesian sauce that they have obsessed and then uh one of my friends who is a really hot lesbian, um, said, fuck Chick-fil-A, they hate gay people. And I go, dude, what are you talking about? And she goes, I checked out their paperwork, like where they're spending all of our money, and Mm -hmm. they donate hundreds of thousands of dollars to groups against gay people and even potential conversion camps. And I was like, what are the beliefs of the founders of Chick-fil-A? And they, Mm -hmm. you, it's fucking everywhere. Go check out what they actually believe and what goes down their pyramid. Same thing with Hobby Lobby. Hobby Lobby is a very strict religious family that puts their values into their store. And you know, going into the store, yes, I fucking love Hobby Lobby. I love going through there. It's like going into fucking Target. You're like, oh my God, I want to buy everything. I'm going to redo my whole house. But when I give my money to this company, are you going to take my money I just gave to you and hurt people that I love based on your limited belief system? 
Because mm-hmm. if you're going to do that, I'm not going to support you. And that, I truly think, is a turning point because of the information that we're able to access now that we couldn't be able to. There used to be a middleman and there used to be a very fucking thick red cover where they're like, look at us, we're good. We fucking donated shit to starving kids. Yeah, we're awesome. And then you find out shell corporations, tax write-off for corporations, donations being written off. Hey, you have a billion dollars in taxes. Well, I have an art collection I can just donate. Now I don't owe you a billion dollars. Now roads exactly. don't get fixed and all the taxes that I'm actually paying are actually fixing the roads. Not the, the corporations aren't paying for shit. Like, don't even get me fucking started on the fact that Amazon doesn't pay shit in taxes. Oh yeah, know? absolutely but, nothing. Yeah. And then when they come in and they negotiate, like, I believe I was hearing when I worked in Oklahoma, they put an Amazon facility there and Oklahoma basically like gave them the land. They're just mm-hmm. like, oh, no, we're so excited to have all of these job opportunities for all of our people. We know that you, you know, really aren't treating people properly, but, God, we're so excited to have the jobs, and you're going to get this tax break, and we're going to take care of all of this. and da-da. Like, all of these weird fucking back office things, I'm like, how is this okay, and how is this continuing to happen? This is not supporting humanity. This is oppressing it more. And people that are talking about it, they're, you know, they're basically on the same, oh no, they're, they're going against society, they're rebellious, they're anarchists, and it's just like, no, I'm just asking why this is possible, and not even from a legal standpoint, because just because it's legal doesn't mean it's morally correct. There's so much morally bankrupt shit in business to the point that we've been indoctrinated with the phase, it's just business. Oh, it's just business. I don't think that's right. No. Yeah, business shouldn't... right at all. It, sh- it shouldn't operate under questionable morals. Like, if you want to run a good business, like, of course you have to do things that are going to be like, oh, well, how can I make sure that the most amount of money is, like, coming into the business so the business can continue to grow and all that nonsense. But there's ways to make your business grow that don't also have to deal with treating your employees like shit and skirting around the law and absolutely just devastating the the environment and the communities that you're coming into because those Amazon warehouses are not small. They take up a lot of goddamn space that could be used for housing, could be used for um, like public projects, like parks and all shit like that. That could be used to in, enrich in the community that it's in, but instead it's a giant fucking white cube with thousands of fucking semi-trucks coming in that back up the road systems because they never have enough space for all those semis coming in. And then it's just, it, it, it's a net negative on the community that it's in, the society that's you know helping provide the, the means for Amazon to get as big as it has possibly become. And I lost it. <laughs> but you... you, you well, you understand what I was saying I is that it's it's a saying. net drain and there's ways to like operate a company without draining on the society and there that's why our generation and our I guess age group is so concerned about how our companies are operating is because we want to see the companies that are doing the most good being the most successful. But I would also okay, so I think that People are wondering where the fuck this is going since we're acting like this and it's only getting, it's ramping up more and more and more. Mm -hmm. It's like, if we're acting like this and we're having all of these issues, 
already. What the fuck does the world look like 50, 100, 200 years from now? Long after we're gone, right? Oh, yeah. Like, what's the world looking like if we're treating it this way and these corporations, these businesses are getting away with this? I read an article yeah. the other day that there have been so many groups reaching out to Amazon about doing something about their packaging because the packaging, I believe they said the amount of waste that Amazon has accumulated in just their packaging weighs as much as the Eiffel Tower. Damn. And I Damn, was like, that I, shit's heavy. That shit's heavy is right. And I always think about that when because I am an Amazon consumer and uh, there's there's times where I'm like, oh my God, I love this convenience. It's it, it really is nice to be able to have this, especially like not going out, me saving my gas, doing all of that, having somebody bring to me. But why, I just ordered body wash. Why did you send it to me in a TV box? Why mm -hmm. is there so much cardboard? Why is there all of this packaging? And now it's put on the consumer to be like, well, well, you just need to go recycle it. Fuck you, dude. You should watch Adam Runs Everything episode on what recycling actually is. Go watch Adam Runs Everything about every it's fantastic. fucking thing yeah. he talks about. About Adam Runs Everything, yeah. But the fact that they put these decisions on the consumer when they're the one that started the ripple effect, mm -hmm. cult mentality to me. I'm like, hey, it's your fault. They're like, no, it's actually your fault, and we need you to look within yourself to figure out why you're actually purchasing from us. Yeah. When you said they blame it on the consumer, literally got chills. Because I made this up, and it's probably something that I heard somewhere, but I think I made it up. The greatest lie that corporations ever pulled off was convincing the consumer it was our fault. It's If the only option to purchase anything is to purchase something that then devastates the environment and devastates the communities that it uses how's that my fault why are you producing something in a way that's devastating why aren't you why can't you produce something in a way that isn't devastating and we'll still continue to purchase it and it like you were saying it's really hard to not use amazon and actually it's impossible to not use even if you never make a purchase off of amazon.com for the rest of your entire life amazon makes more money in server farms than they do on amazon.com they have these massive swaths of factory or not factory warehouses just full of server racks that they rent out to any company that wants to use them to provide cloud services it's called amazon web services you know um so it's literally impossible not to use amazon at this point and then they're still continuing to operate in a way that's just absolutely devastating so yeah literal chills when you said that because it's not the consumer's fault that the, the packaging that I get my shit in or I go to the grocery store and there's no more paper options. I haven't seen a paper bag option in forever, so we just stopped using bags altogether and put them in the car and then drive them home and carry them in, you know, however we can. We have reusable bags, but we always leave them at home. Oh, um, me too, dude. Every fucking I know, right? Leave them on the so, counter and I'm like, ah! So it, it, it's the consumer's responsibility to encourage the companies that they're purchasing from to be more sustainable and to be more of a net positive and... I mean, we can we can always support companies that are doing it that are small, and you should obviously be supporting you know small local businesses. But there, it's impossible to get away from these massive corporations that just own absolutely fucking everything. So 
we need to be encouraging them to you know be more sustainable and be thinking about the future for when every single person that's alive on this planet today is dead and it's the next set of humans how can we set them up to not have to deal with all of our bullshit you know absolutely well i mean so yeah it's, you think about and again this comes from adam runs everything episode because that shit literally blows your mind and makes you think like oh all of these things that i thought were just as is and this is the way the world it is like these were plans of mm -hmm. other humans put in place for us that we actually believe that we could go vote on and have a voice about but that's a fucking lie because yeah, when it came between are we going to make all of our products out of hemp or out of plastic did hemp farmers have the money to lobby that hemp was better or did the plastic companies have enough propaganda to convince you that hemp is basically fucking drugs and we can't make our products out of drugs and yeah. oh plastic's great and it's cheaper to make and it costs more jobs and then the jobs fucking make tax money to infuse to the communities like literally our whole fucking world is propaganda and marketing mm -hmm. our roadways that we're on adam runs everything once again when we switch from a bunch of cars and humans in the roads to oh now we want to make cars but then people were getting hit by cars they came up with the propaganda of jaywalkers and mm -hmm. they put it back on the person walking in the roadway and they're like roads are for cars not for horse and buggies and not for people and you you eventually got people to believe in it and then turn against each other like oh my god my son got hit on the road the other day and it's like well what was he doing in the road roads are for cars and it's just mm -hmm. like no that's propaganda recycling <laughs> companies my favorite thing that i found out was uh, big corporations bought recycling companies, put the recycling bin up there, and then they convince the consumer that you can purchase as much plastic as you want because it's okay. You'll recycle it and we'll go make a fucking hairbrush and sell it back to you. Mm -hmm. More expensive because now it's recycled and it's a fucking selling point. But when you look at what is actually recyclable and what is actually not, like, for instance, if I put all of my cardboard in my recycling bin and then I order a pizza and then I put the pizza box in all of the accepted cardboard, the grease on the pizza box has actually contaminated the whole trash can of cardboard. In my mind, as the consumer, I've done a good job. I've separated my waste from what we can reuse. Both of those trash cans go to the facility whether they're owned from the same company, whether they're set at a different address, and there is a huge percentage of recyclables that actually just still go into landfills, but we don't see that part, and we are convinced in our own illusion and the propaganda that is sold to us that I'm doing a good job, it's okay if I just recycle my plastic bottles, okay, BPA's fucking cancerous, so now I'll make sure it's not BPA-free, like all of the new information that we learn where we're like, oh, we didn't know you guys were putting this in our stuff. They're like, oh, 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 okay. And then they go back with the PR team and they go, let's make sure we put no high fructose corn syrup on it. Let's make sure we put no BPA. Let's make sure we put all of these things. And you flip your label around and now you have words like natural flavors and fragrance, which if you check the, the lobbying on it and you see legally what chemicals they do not have to disclose to you in the word fragrance or the world natural flavors, 
you will throw all of your fucking products away. I got fucking duped last night. This is, I'm so glad I brought this up. I found these popsicles um, and like I really wanted to eat like just straight up like frozen fruit popsicles, shit that wasn't fucking bad for me, right? Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm pretty sure like I found a good company to do this. I put the popsicle in my mouth and I immediately went, this is fucking bullshit. Threw the popsicle, grabbed the box out of the back, and as I read the back, I saw um, a synthetic version of high fructose corn syrup. I found some, like, two different versions of gum. Mm -hmm. Guma, gum, gamma, some fucking gum, which is fucking awful. It will get stuck in your gut and cause horrible inflammation. And the added sugar that they didn't have to disclose under natural flavors was 19 grams of added sugar to this supposed marketed no high fructose corn syrup, 80 calories, all natural fruit, all natural flavors. Tropicana orange juice. The oh, concentrate yeah. for Tropicana orange juice is made in the same fucking facility that perfume fragrances are made in. It's made out of the same chemical basis. They're the same synthetic components and perfume that we're being sold is 100% oranges. But yeah. cut a fucking orange open, make your own orange juice, and see how fast the oxidation rate and 100% orange juice actually lasts in your fridge. Not fucking enough. This mm -hmm. is where preservatives come in. This is where sealants come in. There are a lot of ways that we can actually preserve food that we make, but we are actually going to have to give up the instant gratification in the products that we have convinced ourselves are still healthy for us. Mm -hmm. And... I used to have eczema. My daughter was born with a precursor to eczema. The baby food, the baby juices, processed foods were inflaming her just from the age of one to three. And I was like, I have to figure this out. I have to stop this. I don't want her going through the same fucking ugly, duck ugly duckling scenario that I went through my whole life because I could never figure out why my body was fucking working against me, which eczema is more of a gut intake, right? So we're talking about serotonin levels connected to your mood. We're talking about just 100% gut health. So I started juicing my, my own stuff at home. I started doing a lot of clean eating. And then I realized in a weird way, as poisonous as the world is, that as much as I wanted my kid to be as healthy as she possibly could, if I raise her this way up until the age of 18, I still felt like she was going to be like, well, what's that like out there? Like, I know, I know my mom has trained me that like all that's kind of like poison and it's not good for your body. Like my body is my temple type stuff, but wouldn't I be doing her a disservice with not treating her like a hybrid? Like I had to figure it out in the world because I grew up on ramen noodles. I'm still alive. Yeah. I can't believe that I'm as healthy as I am with ingesting that much plastic and sodium levels. So I do, I don't raise her as like, oh, you're a vegan, you're a vegetarian. We don't do this. We don't do this. We educate ourselves as much as possible. We understand that we are out of control of a lot of the things that are in our food, but there are companies out there that are doing it correctly, but those price points are higher. So mm -hmm. now it's a privilege to be able to be fed food that doesn't have poison in it or as much. And you got to ask yourself again, why? Why is there a health food aisle in a grocery store? 
right? When did it become a, I saw this the other day, when did it become a selling point that food has all natural ingredients? When did it become At a selling point that cancer-causing agents are not sprayed on my food? Yeah, exactly, yeah. When, when the fuck did that happen to where the food that I'm eating, it, it's now more expensive and an actual selling point that it's not going to kill me? Mm -hmm. At what point in time did that actually start fucking happening? Uh, I have no idea when. All the GMO stuff, right? You have the non-GMO yeah. project ramping up all of their products and educating people on, on the science of what GMOs actually do to bodies, which according to their research, it actually pokes holes in human cells. When I heard that, I was like, the fuck? Now I gotta go through my cabinets again. I have to God go- damn it. I, yeah, damn it, I thought I was doing so good. I have to go through, I have to identify the eight GMO seeds that they have sold to these companies and sold to these farmers to use. And then I have to go and find out the ones that aren't GMO that I'm actually able to feel comfortable enough, and then I have to ingest it, I have to experiencing, I have to experience it, and I have to see if anything happens negatively to my body. Because inflammation can be caused by so many things in your environment. It's just not about the food that you ingest. It could be fucking shit in the air. It could dirt on the ground. Like it's not just just the food you ingest, but it's like if you want a strict awareness on taking care of your body you will go down the worst rabbit holes of your life and feel so fucking betrayed from these companies that have commercials on fucking TV where it's like, hey, make Campbell's soup for your kids. La la la. And it's just like, okay, well, what's in Campbell's soup? Why did Roundup kill all the dandelions and then sell synthetic heart medication? Why, why, why? Why is this happening? What is going on here? And why is it happening to everybody? And most people, like, they're fine. You, they don't need their illusions broke. It's a little too mm -hmm. much for them. They didn't come here for that. That's okay. That's okay. Like, not everybody needs to wake up. If you're, if you're fine where you are, that's fine. But for me, I can't fucking stand not knowing why these systems are put in place this way. I don't understand it. It looks like a suppression of human consciousness to me when you look at the way that it affects our brains, it affects our body, and we get sick, and we go to the doctor that looks like the medical mafia. I do not feel healed. I do not feel comforted. I feel like I'm a part of a system. There is no profitability in healing in this system, but there's total profitability in me coming back and still being sick or trying to figure out why I can't be healthy based on this and this and this and this and this and this. Which I mean, I could seriously just go on for days about it, but I'm like, why, 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 why? <laughs> Yeah, I don't have answers. I don't have any answers for any of that. I mean, you can you can say, simply put, you know, follow the money. But, I mean, you think if it were that simple, it, it's, it's more expensive and now more profitable to do things the healthy way. So why isn't that, um, why aren't we seeing more of that and less of all of the, the garbage foods? You know, if you just start following the money, well, sure, it might cost more to get set up, but then you can charge more so you can start making more because people aren't going to realize. Um, I mean, it's, there's. I find it hard to believe that it really costs that much more to produce healthy food than it does to produce shitty food. I mean, I understand the reason that food went so shitty is because you can just throw in a lot of really cheap components and then make a hell of a lot of volume of it, but I find it, 
I find it hard to believe that we can't get just genuinely good food for relatively the same price point. I think that's a lie that we've we've been sold on because, like you said, it's now a privilege to eat healthy, and not everyone even has the option to purchase the food that you know is healthy. I mean, there's there's some places, especially in like the United States, where your only food options are McDonald's, Burger King, and then your only grocery store is Walmart. You know, um, so that absolutely sucks, and we need to you know, spread out the, I guess, health food movement, but we need to spread the, the information, the knowledge along with it. Mm-hmm. There needs to be, I mean, I think, I think it should get added to schools. There should be, like, my school had, like, barely a health food program where they, like, talked about nutrition. They're like, yeah, 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 I'll fucking get your grains and your meats and everything. But they didn't go into detail the about pyramid? being conscious. You remember the food Yeah, pyramid? the fucking food pyramid. Yeah, yeah exactly. made by the corporations that made the food, right? That wasn't yeah. made by, like, a bunch of people that were here for our betterment. It was made yeah. from, they're like, hey, tell them to drink more milk. Put it up here. Yeah, you need this, you need this, you need this. I mean, that was that was Bible growing up, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the pyramid. Oh, here's, here's what I need to link to. Yeah, and again, like, I'm just asking why. Mm-hmm. Why? Why, 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 why? Sure. So I have a story about Walmart that I actually um, read an article on like several years ago, and I don't know if they're still doing this, but so this woman's husband was a door greeter at Walmart back in the like 2000s. They didn't have life insurance policies. He died. She obviously had to figure her life out, and she found out after her husband died that Walmart had actually taken a life insurance policy out on her husband and collected however much money. Mm-hmm. So she went after the company and was like, one, why did you take a life insurance policy out on my husband? Where, like, where is this an, an employee agreement and a sign up or anything? And apparently when these people signed up for employment with Walmart, they were participating in activating a life insurance policy on them. So if you were an employee of Walmart and you died while you were still employed by them, they were able to cash out a life insurance policy on you. What what kind of fucking dystopian hell shit is that? Oh my god, Walmart so literally so making money the, off the of working their employees today. Of like the really nice, like humble grandma and grandpa waving you into Walmart, and you're like, oh hi, oh, that's so great. You want to come do this? You're like, good for you. But then this article comes out about this woman suing Walmart. Yeah. And I was like. I had a friend that worked there, and I was like, does Walmart have a life insurance policy on you in your employment agreement? And she's like, what? And I was like, I'm, I'm literally just asking why. I'm, I'm not condemning. I'm not convicting. I'm not. Yeah. I just want to know. I don't remember the end of the conversation. I don't know if she actually went in and found one. I don't know if they even convinced people that it was for their betterment. But that woman was out on her ass after her husband died. He was the person still providing for her because yeah. that was still the generational thing. Like the wife was at home, the husband went and worked. I don't know. I don't think she ever got the money. I don't know. I think it just blew up in Walmart's face and they probably had a great PR team because they're an extremely yeah. huge conglomerate. But I was like, let's go back to morality. What's the morality in that situation where you took life insurance policies out on your people and you are able to pass that as profitability on a spreadsheet. And whoever came up with that was like, hey, Bill, thanks for the extra 500 million, gazillion, billion dollars a year on the death of our employees. 
fucking gem of an idea. I can't. I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall in that board meeting. And here's the thing. I think we, as the lowly, you know, kind of butts of the system, conceptualize the the decision-making process of those execs and of those board meetings to be a lot more sinister and like, oh, how can we fuck over our employees as much as possible? I am... I wouldn't be surprised to find out that it was a casual conversation that happened without much of a second thought over a water cooler, you know? It was like, hey, we should take our life insurance policies on our elderly employees. And the guy's like, yeah, probably. And then they just wrote it into the contract, and, like, that was it. But I guarantee there was not some shady, you know, people in a dimly lit boardroom, you know? But it the it's numbers the you're a fucking number. yeah That's only numbers thing. yeah they don't care about you yeah you are be, a workforce you are fucking cattle lining up yeah That's, the executives of the these companies thing. and the, the the people running the operation are so far removed from the bottom level you know labor that they only see the numbers coming in the spreadsheets and how can we make these numbers better so they don't conceptualize how that's going to affect or even stop to think about how that's going to affect the actual laborers and the actual people making the company run and operate. Um, so I think there needs to be a, like, a day or a holiday or something where all of the high-level people at these massive corporations, you know, set a market cap limit on them or whatever, you know, and any company making higher than this market cap, all of the execs and top board people have to work those lowly level positions for that holiday or whatever the fuck. And I guarantee we would see a massive change in the way that these corporations are operating and, you know, not taking life insurance policies out on their elderly employees so they can make money when they die working for them. And then marketing it as it's just such a great family-oriented experience. Yeah. That's the creepiest part is when the marketing is the, it's, a, it's again, it's right in front of that red sheet mm -hmm. And you're like, la, 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 we're so good. We love you. We donate money to the community. And then behind the scenes, like, you open the curtains and it's fucking, like, it's slave labor behind there. And you're like, yeah. oh, that's how my products are made? Fuck. So it's just, like, how much money not only do they spend on lobbying, but do they spend on marketing this illusion to us that, hey, when you buy from us, you're buying from a really good, honest company. Yeah. What is that? Which I will, I will plug um, one of my favorite people that I like to use and one of my sponsors of the show. Not because they're a sponsor of my show, but because they are a full fucking circle company. So it's Leaf and Stone Apothecary. I've been using their products for four years now. It's completely revolutionized my health, my face, my hair, my everything. And I just recently interviewed them so they could talk to me about what was their motivation behind starting their apothecary and spreading the power and herbalism and all of the stuff they make by themselves and all of their packaging actually is 100% biodegradable. So he said, when we wanted to make a product, we wanted to make it from Mother Earth and we wanted to make sure it went back to Mother Earth because we felt it was our responsibility as not only people providing a service to the community but also living on Mother Earth that we were able to do this. He goes, there are things out of our control like we have an online store, if we have to package something and send it to you, 
there are only certain products that we can use that are not biodegradable in the packaging. Mm -hmm. So it always goes back to us being forced to use these products from these companies that have so much money that we're, we have a voice, but we don't have the money to back up the voices half the time. Now there's more people sticking up. But what I noticed earlier when you were saying like, now there's big money in the health industry. Now there's big money in organic. There's big money in psychedelics and finding yourself and understanding your human purpose. So it's like, there's more of us than there are of them. And that's always mm -hmm. been the biggest thing at the end of the day in any underdog story that you have is whether it's one man standing against the system or it's everybody waking up to the system and going, we do not condone what you're doing. We mm -hmm. give you our money and when we enter into this verbal contract, there should be trust. There should be trust that the products I'm buying from you do not harm me, my family, or my environment. And also when I give you that money, you do not harm me, my family, or my environment. And that's been completely blurred out and pasted over with fucking bullshit marketing and propaganda. And they're like, no, 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 no. Oh, don't talk about that. Oh, that's a conspiracy. No, like, and it's just like, um, as the Nexium documentary would say, you're a suppressive person. You're going against the narrative that we need you to live on. Mm -hmm. And again, like I'm an Amazon consumer. I still dabble in processed foods. I bless that shit to the nourishment of my body. I do that fucking research. And I'm aware that I live in a poisoned society. I look at the back of my water bottle and go, why the fuck is there sodium in water? Yeah, right. Like your cholesterol, like you go to the doctor and you're like, oh, I drink water all the time. Well, what company do you drink? Have you looked at the back? Have you have you seen the chemicals that go into it? Where is it actually sourced from? Are those water companies moving into small business, like small towns and actually decimating their fucking water board? Like, let's talk about yeah. that. You know, like what are all of these companies that seem like such a great modern day convenience to us fucking doing to us as a society and for the future generations on earth? Like fucking draining the water tables that people have to live on to the point where the droughts will take over in some areas where people will actually have to leave their homes because they would have to bust water in from the same companies that took all the fucking water from their water tables? Again, why? <laughs> why? Why does it have to be this way? Why? Yeah. Again, I'm just asking the questions. I don't expect anybody to have the answers. I just, I think it's more of like a plant a seed conversation where it's like, why is it this way? And it's not one person, you're right. It's not one group of like shady, weird mm -hmm. fucking men sitting in a dim lit boardroom going, ha 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 ha. But it's just like, when do we get to get back to the point where we actually are going to take care of the earth that we were given? And are we too far gone? Are all, like, are we fucked? Um, I have a very cynical view on that, and I say yes. But like, I, I, think, I think we have reached that point of no return. And also, okay, so would it be like four years ago now something like my first year at university i was taking a like english class right and i had to write or not even my english class 
maybe it was my whatever. Well, fucking, I was taking a class and I had to write a paper. Um, and the subject that I was given or that I chose had to deal with climate change and uh, carbon output. So the the biggest issue with carbon output and greenhouse gas output is that it takes so long for it to get reabsorbed back into the earth. The Earth has these natural processes of carbon capture and like ways to keep the atmosphere livable, but it takes a very long time. And so the, the carbon that's output today will not be reabsorbed for at least 100 years, depending on a couple of factors. But take like so once, once you understand that, that, that carbon takes you know, up to 100 years to ever make its way out of the atmosphere. And then look at the the amount of carbon that we are actually outputting, the amount of greenhouse gases that we are actually outputting. The Earth has no procedure, has no process for reabsorbing that much in any type of human time scale. We are outputting billions of tons of greenhouse gases every single year and the the biggest rebuttal that i always hear to people talking about like greenhouse gas emissions is oh well greenhouse gases are like a normal thing and like volcanoes do it and it's not the amount of damage that humans do in one year is greater than thousands of years of the earth's natural processes the earth doesn't output anywhere close to even one billion tons of greenhouse gas naturally and that's all of the animals shitting creating methane that's all of the hydrothermic vents that are you know spitting out gases into the ocean and that's all of the volcanoes that are erupting and that that doesn't even approach one billion tons of gas and every single year humans are doing tens and twenties of billions of tons of gas which is you know literally several orders of magnitude greater than anything the earth is capable of handling so it is going to be i mean if we went carbon neutral tomorrow morning or actually what time is it right now it's noon by five o'clock p.m if the entire world went carbon neutral the damage that we cause today would still be affecting us for thousands of years so that's why i say we are kind of beyond the point of being fucked and the very best case scenario is that we can create systems that are going to allow us to survive when we do start seeing the effects, the really bad effects. Because we're starting to see them now. We're having massive droughts, massive wildfires. Hurricanes are getting more severe every single year. You're having people being moved out of areas because of flooding, because of the glaciers melting. And that's only going to get worse. That's not going to stop tomorrow if we stop outputting greenhouse gases. Okay, so we have to set up systems and start thinking about how we're going to persist as humans in what is ultimately going to be a post-apocalyptic future. The, the droughts are going to get so severe, the flooding is going to get so severe, and the natural disasters are going to get so bad that there will be areas of the earth that are just plainly uninhabitable. And, I mean, you watch the movie Don't Look Up, right? Oh my god. So that actually happened. There was a, a climate scientist on the news who was a young female talking about how disastrous the, the effects that we will see, not the effects that we're seeing now, even though they're awful, they're going to be 100 times worse in the future, literally talking about how bad it is. And the news anchor was like, 
well, why don't we try and make things a little bit more lighthearted on here? And I was like, that's a one-to-one of the fucking scene that was in the movie. It's literally, yeah. like, it, it, it's getting so bad. And I think you even brought to the point, there are people that don't, that, that are comfortable living the illusion. And I understand why you would be comfortable living in the illusion. Because it's a really, it's, a, it's a scary thought to have. Yeah, it's, it's, it's frightening. But it... It, it's happening, and it's gonna happen, and you can ignore it for as long as you want until your house burns down because it got that fucking hot that year, you know. So we we do really need to start pushing a lot harder and doing a lot of the I guess grunt work to educate people on what is happening because of how these extremely large companies are conducting themselves and getting people to understand and stop fighting with each other as consumers because it's ultimately it's not the consumer's fault. Like I said, probably like an hour ago, if the only options you have to consume are being produced in unsustainable and shitty ways, then how can you possibly do anything to consume in a um, sustainable way, you know, in a way that is not going to cause massive harm? Um, And you have to do your own research, and a lot of people in the lives that they lead, whether they're still living the ADR a week, like basically a survival mentality, right? Like, I don't have time to sit down and research. I don't have time to do that. But... You can take your money and support people with the right intention. Mm -hmm. It's going to take time. You're not going to build Rome in a day. It took me and is still taking me. I'm on year four of flipping my cabinets, researching what I buy and the chemicals that I'm still using. And then I go back to my family and I'm like, don't, don't buy this for me. Don't do this. Like, Please don't buy me to this, especially like when Christmas comes into play. I'm like, I, yeah. I actually don't use any of this anymore. I found a bunch of stuff in it that doesn't align with my personal values. Yeah. And I think people applying their personal values to what they consume is definitely a big part of the awakening that we're seeing in all of consciousness across the board. Back to um, greenhouse gases, though, really quick, because I want to plug mm-hmm. another Adam Runs Everything episode. He was talking about the, the business of like industrialized farming. And how, like, yeah. okay, so, like, let's go back to the day when we let cows graze out. They eat the food off the land. We take care of the land to make sure that the food that the cows are consuming from the ground, that the meat that we eat will consume will be healthy for us. Well, industrialized farming has taken, taken the cows, taken the pigs, taken the chickens off of the land, shoved them into a barn s type thing, so mm-hmm. to speak. They have made... GMO produced corn, wheat, and other foods. They're feeding it in, like, basically feeding these things at all hours of the day to plump them up faster to productivity, which is then making them emit an astronomical amount of greenhouse gases in these facilities to then turn around, kill these animals, and put them back and sell them to you at a grocery store and market it as antibiotic-free. This, 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 this yada 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 then you start thinking about like what i looked like as a teenager and what teenagers look like now like how developed they are how like why let's go back to the food that these kids are eating and let's go back to the source the food that i ate i grew up on a farm where we raised our own cows we butchered our own cows and there ain't shit but our land in in those cows and those chickens i just went home last month uh, for my stepmom's birthday party. And I wanted eggs for breakfast. So I walked my cute little ass out to our chicken coop, climbed up in there and grabbed an egg out. 
best fucking egg of my life is from my family farm. We got deer salami and deer sausage and deer steaks for Christmas from my family that we killed the deer on our land, the land that we nurture for Mother Earth and for our whole family. We grew corn, we shut corn when we were younger, we gardened, we grew up on canning, and I was obviously growing up on a farm, like I'm just like, I wanna get out of here and eat McDonald's. Fuck this shit, right? <laughs> but now that I'm older and I realize the absolute value of self-sustainability that my family not only has been doing for generations, but I'm actually able to go home and access this, I love my family for what they taught us and showed us. Like our chores were going and picking blackberries before we could go play in the crick. Yes, C-R-I-C-K. <laughs> and I will always pronounce it that way. But there's oh so God. many great like traditional values that I was able to really go back to before I went out into the world and thought that these modern conveniences were just so fucking cool. You know, mm -hmm. I can have anything I want at my fingertips, but what is that really costing me? What's that costing the future generations? What is that costing my daughter's generation? I have no fucking clue what it looks like. All I know is when I go talk to my grandpa, he just reminds me, when you hear I've passed on, I want you to know I'm happy because this fucking world is nuts. <laughs> okay? That's fantastic. He's like, I don't fit in anymore and I don't understand it. He goes, and every generation has their time, right? He goes, mm -hmm. this isn't necessarily the worst time. This is the worst time because we're living in it. He goes, I've been through so much stuff with how old I've been. He goes, every generation has their crisis. He goes, Cuban Missile Crisis, big fucking deal at the time. Now, just a part of history. But at that yeah. time, when you actually believed that building a bomb shelter in your backyard was the only way for you to survive because of what was going on in the political airways, that's terrifying, that's fear-mongering, and it puts you yourself in a survival mentality. Yeah, in a survival situation, yeah. So then if we bring energy into the situation and we talk about the chakra system, the root chakra is the survival. It's the lowest, it's the suppressive, and it's the most broken. Frequency, vibration, energy, Nikola, Tesla, research, 369, right? If you mm -hmm. keep a massive amount of highly conscious, highly energetic output humans, because we're talking about humans, if you keep all of them suppressed and in a fear frequency, they're easily influenced. They will not speak against the higher powers of the earth. And they'll go and talk to their other friends that are scared. And they'll talk mm -hmm. about the media and they'll consume the media. And then, oh my God, did you hear this? Did you hear this? And it's an outsourcing technique of keeping you in a lower vibrational state, but you're also just consuming all of the things that are suppressing you more. It's outsourcing, it's outsourcing, it's outsourcing, which like most of the things we're talking about on here, I'll leave it on the episode. Like I don't watch the news. I don't sit here like things are presented to me and I, I'm like, I'll research it, I'll do it, but I will fucking sage the shit out of myself and do whatever I have to do to raise my frequency up to where I'm actually feeling more empowered and I don't feel scared about the world that I'm living in. As Einstein would say, if you go out into the world and the world is bad or the world is evil, then you live in an evil world. But if you go out in the world and there's good in the world and it's a good world and it's a safe world, you live in a good world. So we have the power of perception and we also have the placebo effect that I truly believe 
has worked against us and we work against ourselves, but we're not using it in a positive format. Positive formats are reaffirming and affirming that we individually can do good, but the innate loneliness that connects all of us as humans is if you stand up too loud, if you stand up too broad, and you believe too much against the systems that are in front of you, you might be standing alone and you don't want that, right? Wouldn't it be better to just cower down and be with at least be around people because we all crave human connection. 2020 definitely showed us that. We're so lucky mm -hmm. to be able to have these interactions like this Zoom call for me and you to be able to talk, but everybody missed human connections. And when we were actually able to go out into the world, we were told that we should fear each other. We should stay six feet. When I went into Walmart or Target or Aldi's or all of these stores that I would go into, before 2020, you would smile, you would wave, you would be considerate, you would, I'm a big fucking complimenter. I like your hair, I like your outfit, I like your nails. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Going back in, even after the, after the mask mandates had went away, people wouldn't make eye contact. Mm -hmm. If you sneezed, people turn around like you were on The Voice. <laughs> You know, yeah. I sneezed in a movie theater the other day and I could feel the guy next to me feel like I was just a vile fucking creature for sneezing for mm -hmm. something that my body naturally does and has always done. But now he is convinced that anything that sneezes out of my body, he he will now be affected. He does not believe in his immunity. He does not believe in the antibodies. He does not believe in white blood cells and medicine or anything. I felt like this guy was completely convinced that I was, this bitch is nasty. She's sneezing. <laughs> How dare her? You that know? happened to me today, actually. I was walking into the grocery store, and I, like, right before I walked through the front door, I could feel it coming on. And so as I'm crossing the threshold, I sneezed into my elbow, and I'm like, oh, I am an absolute menace to everyone yes. in here right now. And I walked in, like, right behind someone who had a mask on because she was, like, a little bit older. And I was like, oh, I am, I just ruined your day if you heard that. <laughs> But isn't it crazy that that like yeah. that's that's another twitch that I've seen. I was just like, I enjoyed not having to talk to people. I en I enjoyed a part of the mass because it it gave me a reason not to connect on days that I mm -hmm. didn't feel like connecting. But yeah, then sure. and, but then there would be days where I really wanted to connect. Like I I was vibrating higher, so to speak, and. I really, I was just like, oh, this is bad. Because if I'm noticing this and I'm acting this way, how many more other people are doing this? And what is this actually, how is this benefiting us? Is this separating mm -hmm. us more to where these, these new systems can come in and separate us? Where we crave to be closer, but now we're scared to be together? Because I do believe in my body, but I also believe that we're far past grabbing things from nature and putting them in our body where our body's able to break them down. There's so mm -hmm. many fucking chemicals that we ingest every day that are out of our control that truly limit us and make us sick. And then we're just, oh, we'll go to the doctor. They'll go figure it out for you. And I'm not like disclaiming that going to the doctor is a horrible thing. I just think that there should be more information out to us where we feel empowered as ourselves to make our own decisions and ask the right questions and not be stonewalled, gaslit, or blocked out of the necessity of greed and profitability. And ultimately, I still believe it's the suppression of human consciousness. If you look at anything that has ever been suppressed, it's because they were powerful in a way that they, the other people didn't want them to be powerful. Mm -hmm. 
So again, you got to ask the question why. But for those people that have a hard time breaking their illusions and are terrified, there's products out there for you. There are things that Mother Earth has created, and they are called mushrooms. So yes. if you need your dick knocked in the dirt just for a little while, just to elevate yourself out of your own suffering and give yourself an eagle eye view, there is a whole billion kajillion dollar market coming on the way. You can get shit that trips you out and you can get shit that doesn't trip you out and the mushroom movement is powerful. And you, dude, have the lockdown on educating safety in psychedelic, not only experimenting with it, but testing it because it's out there. It's kind of like a safe sex movement where we're like, the kids are gonna have sex, just give them condoms. The kids are gonna do the drugs, so why don't you just give them a drug test and make sure there's no fentanyl in there, shall we? But exactly. let's talk about psychedelics and how you see it improving people being able to then go back into themselves and empower themselves and understand themselves better so they realize they're here for a bigger purpose than just the fucking, all the shit we've been talking about. <laughs> sure, of course. I have another holiday proposition, and it's it, Mushroom Day. Let's replace Christmas with Mushroom Day. Absolutely. Be yeah, well, because, like, if just for, like, one day a year, like, every single person took a handful of mushrooms. I am confident that the next year after that would be a year of the most, the, the most peaceful, the greatest progress and the most, I mean, like, it, it would be a golden year in history if everyone took mushrooms on December 25th next year, 2024 would be absolutely like anything we've ever heard or anything we've ever seen before. Um, and yeah, like you said, I do like that's not a reasonable thing. You can't just like give everyone a bunch of mushrooms. That would be kind of chaos. But um, I Correct. do think that psychedelics are. I actually had a friend say this to me. Psychedelics are an extremely important tool for mental development, um, especially as you become an adult. Because what psychedelics do, at I, in a very broad sense, is they take your your default operating method for your brain like chemically your brain operates in a specific way there's you know specific neural connections that are formed that your brain uses to understand the reality to get you through your day um and what psychedelics do is they break those connections and form completely new you know novel connections between areas of your brain that were not previously connected or were not as strongly connected and allow you to view the world well um at least for a temporary amount of time, in a way that you, I mean, quite simply, it would be impossible for you to view the world that way under any other circumstances. Um, I mean, aside from, like, decades of meditation, because that's possible. But, um, so I think that if, if, if we can get psychedelics to the point in our, you know, our modern cultures that people aren't afraid of them, and they're interested in how to use psychedelics for their own, you know, cognitive development and as ways to not only look inward, but look outward in a more objective sense and kind of see things through, you know, that different light. Um, we can see a massive shift in the, sorry, um, in like the, you know, the collective consciousness of how people are 
you know, participating in society and how they're acting and what we are, you know, requiring of the society that we're participating in. Um, so I am a, you know, huge advocate for psychedelic use, but I'm also a huge advocate for responsible psychedelic use because it's completely useless and, and if not harmful to just be taking psychedelics for the sake of taking psychedelics because you're not going to be getting the same things out of that that you could be if you're going in with a you know specific intention and with the education on how the compound is actually interacting with you and how these different psychedelic compounds are going to interact with you differently because literally every single psychedelic is going to do something different to you so understanding you know which one is going to do the things that you feel you could benefit the most from will be really important to you know making that decision on what you're actually going to be taking um so there's a big movement going on right now not only in just taking you know a handful of mushrooms and tripping out but microdosing it's been in the news like a ton um and the really nice thing about microdosing is that you don't have to trip and you don't trip i mean that's the definition of it is that you're not going to trip and you're not going to become incapacitated for an entire day because when you're tripping let's face it you're incapacitated you're not really useful to anyone um for a period of time but with microdosing, you're taking a very small amount of these compounds that is not going to induce a trip-like state, but is going to, you know, start to rewire some of those neural pathways in you and allow you to start perceiving your world differently. People use it for all kinds of different mental ailments. I mean, all the way from, like, PTSD and depression to just being more, like, active and having energy. Um... So there's tons of use cases for it. There's a lot of really promising research into the potential benefits of it. And I think that as it gets more popular, we need to make sure that it doesn't become just another money trap for some gigantic corporation to, you know, take take what could be a really useful medicine and then use it to ultimately continue to hurt us while advertising itself or positing itself as this extremely useful tool. So we need to make sure that, you know, whoever does start to show up as the psychedelic provider in, you know, North America, we need to make sure that that person or that company is doing it right and is providing psychedelics in a way that are going to be genuinely beneficial to people and not just advertise itself as being beneficial to people. Um, and you have a company that you actually sponsor, correct? Yeah, I haven't worked with them um, in a couple months. They, it was like a temporary thing, but I still have my like discount code, which is uh, Microdo. But uh, the company is called Schedule 35. They're based out of the United States and Canada, and they specialize in microdosing. However, right around the time that we stopped working together, um, they sent me a chocolate bar, which they now provide, which has actually like five grams worth of psilocybin cubensis mushrooms in it. So they do provide an actual tripping um, option now where you can you know, take a bunch and have like a full trip experience. But their primary focus is... Um, sorry, is microdosing, and they ha they make it very easy. They send you these little packets with pre-measured out capsules of just crushed up psilocybin cubensis in it, um, and I used them for a while, and they were absolutely fantastic. I've actually been thinking about getting some more just because I want to be really productive over my school break right now because I still have two weeks before I have to go back into school, so I want to make sure that I'm really productive over these next couple weeks, um, so I might pick up some more for myself, um, and like I said, I don't they're, they're not still sponsoring me. I'm not still currently working with them. I'd like to work with them again in the future. But if you go to schedule35.co and after you sign up, 
the sign-up process is a little involved, but they require um, like ID. ID, a photo ID, so that way they kind of cover their own asses. They're not selling drugs to people under the age of 21. Mm -hmm. um, at least in the United States, if you're in Canada, it's like 19. But anyway, that scares a lot of people off, but it's just to cover their own asses. Um, and then once you're all signed up and everything, you go to purchase whatever you want in the little promo code. You can type in microdough, D-O-U-G-H, all one word, um, and that's good for 15% off still. So you should definitely check that shit out because they are absolutely fantastic. They were an absolutely wonderful company to work with, so I do highly recommend them not only because of this, what they're providing, but also because they were, I mean, just a genuine pleasure to be uh, associated with. So there's a huge movement in psychedelics and microdosing in the veteran community as far as struggling with mm -hmm. their PTSD from what they went through. And um, I believe in psychedelic research. I believe in the responsibility. I also believe in the results that microdosing has given some of my friends that whether they were a veteran or not, they were stuck in this shell of depression they couldn't understand. They're, they have been dependent on Western medicine and antidepressants. They have been dependent on behavioral therapy and a lot of like conscious modalities for healing. And my favorite that even I found in my personal experience with psychedelics is I'm able to sit down and breathe and connect with not only a higher power, maybe vibrate to a higher frequency is what you would say, but I'm able to have a conversation with my subconscious where 90% of my conscious actions come from. And that is something that has not only caught on to people that have been labeled as derogatory statements of drug users and trippers and whatever, but it has caught the eye of people, of the right people in society that are actually able to move this research forward. And I am really, really thankful for that, but just like you, I am a I am also hesitant of the wrong conglomerations latching onto this because they see the money that's about to be thrown into it and then they sell it to you as, hey, we're here to help you. But again, you have to ask yourself what's going on in the background of these companies. Are they really doing this for all the right reasons? So when you go out and if you want to start microdosing, if you, if you want to start looking at other ways to help yourself, whether it's psychedelic or not, do your fucking research. Do Absolutely. Not, do not go to this random fucking person that's growing mushrooms in their basement that sells it more from a recreational standpoint. Be the, be the person who stands up for, for the plant itself because it's plant fucking medicine. It's not a drug. Mm -hmm. Like, even going back to when you said, like, mushroom day, like, there's a pagan origin story where they would eat magic mushrooms on this day, and that's where the idea of flying reindeer came from because they were tripping out from these mushrooms, and they would be like, oh, look, the reindeer are flying. And you can do your own research and read the story on your own. I'm definitely just, like, dee -dee -dee, like sound biting it in between. But there, there are so many things in our culture that actually derive from things that, let's just call them the ancients now, actually mm -hmm. did there was a connection to spirit and to mother earth that these cultures that have been suppressed and erased were doing for a reason mm -hmm. so it's just oh, like the meme the meme that i that i read was like why is there so much suffering to the world he asked to the indigenous man sitting in front of him cross-legged meditating and the guy said um you have disconnected your connection from your spirit from your source and you got to ask the question 
why are we so far away when we're being told that God is all around us? Why are we suffering so bad? Why are all of these things happening? Why do I feel so alone when I'm in a crowd surrounded by people? Why do I have all of these disorders? Why is hashtag neurodivergent ADHD? Why are all of these labels that I'm giving? Why is my diagnosis now a label that I'm not saying it's okay to be proud of the fact that you found what's actually wrong with you, but why don't we go over to the other, like let's go to the Shipibo tribe over in Costa Rica and let's ask them what they actually are observing from their perspective of Western culture. Because if you get their perspective, on what's happening in just America alone, and their take on schizophrenia, their take on depression, their take on bipolar, their take on all the way that we're living. And if you open your mind to their perspective, it's mind blowing. Because at the end of the day, they'll speak of this disconnection between not only the mother earth, but ourselves, we're disconnected from ourselves. We're the only living thing on earth that can be discon our brain can be disconnected from our heart space and we're technically surviving. Which when you go back into energy, if you're surviving, you're living at a suppressed root chakra state. The energy from your source cannot go through your body. If you want to look at acupuncture, acupressure, and meridian lines in your body where energy gets stored, energy downloaded in your body and a brain as your thought as a worry as this if you do not face these things they manifest as dis eases d-i-s dash eases in your yeah. body like let's go back to like body mapping and figuring out why why i have this in my knee what what emotional issue just manifested physically on my body what just what got stuck in my hippocampus where my short-term and my long-term memory are not integrating my memories properly why can't i remember my childhood why can't i remember this trauma that happened to me that i blacked out but actually my body is physically still acting it out these are all of these questions that you can ask yourself but there's so many people that don't even know where to start so i'm not recommending psychedelics is where you start I'm recommending that you admit to yourself that there are bigger and better and louder ways to view these things. And I've found through certain forms of psychedelic treatments that I was able to literally lift myself out of my own suffering. It's like I became my higher self and it was just like, look at all of this, look. I'm going to alleviate your emotions because emotions are a human concept. The soul does not have emotions. The soul is eternal. But I'm going to show you. You're going to have to go back down there and figure this out because that's your role. You're a soul in a human experience, right? You need to experience. So you don't get to do all this, this research and sit on the sidelines, nor feel like you have a spiritual eagle and a moral high ground to be able to preach to everybody about it. But you can walk around and be like, just question, why, why is that like that? Why am I like this? Why did I just act that way? Is that my ego? Is my ego coming in to protect me? Why did I feel like I need to be protected? And again, I loved bringing up psychedelics because I had to, I had a shell of conditioning around me, generational, societal, all of that. And I was just like, 
I've seen all these people take psychedelics and they've had really great introspective views. And I, I want that and I want to feel safe while I'm doing it. So I'm going to do it. And I took just an eighth of shrooms and I had, I was released again from my suffering for a minute. I had an eagle eye view where I was able to have a conversation and I saw things that I would have never been able to see because I was so deep in the conditioning of everything that was around me. Does that mean that when I got fucking sober and the plants stopped dancing in front of me and I couldn't see colors dancing in the wind that I had figured it all out? No, but I did get to keep little breadcrumbs from it. And now the real work began that I integrated these truths that I have found and I had to go back in and do the really fucking hard work, which is analyzing why do I have the habits that I have? Why do I act the way that I am? Oh, I'm not stuck with my personality. It's called my personal reality that I was programmed from the ages of zero to eight because kids are in a theta brainwave state. You've got to be fucking kidding me. Why are we not educated on this more? I really think your episode just be called, why? Why? <laughs> <Bet>. Do it. <laughs> Seriously. I am, I'm glad you brought up the, um, sorry, the, the indigenous use and like the historical cultural use of these plant medicines because um, the, the literal reason why I chose Christmas for Mushroom Day to, to replace Christmas was because like you said, that used to be like a pagan thing where they would take mushrooms and the mushroom that they took was called the amanita muscaria mushroom which grows coincidentally very you know prominently at the base of coniferous trees or you know pine trees um and the mushroom is colored red with white spots on it and a literal like part of this ritual was that there would be one person who walked around with a literal bag full of these mushrooms, handing them out to everyone, dressed up in the colors of red and white because he was handing out these red and white mushrooms. And that's the whole like origin story of modern Christmas, or at least in part. There's other there facets parts, to it. You're absolutely right. Yeah, but there's that's that, that's a very large like overreaching theme that was inherited from this very ancient. Yeah, ancient tradition of taking mushrooms around the winter solstice. And I definitely think that would be a fantastic thing to reincorporate back into our society. And um, as you went on to say about the, the, the suppression of that, um, that ritual, um, that all happened with the Christians. I blame so much on the Christians and kind of unapologetically now i understand there's a lot of good things that christianity has done but there's a lot of things that christianity has not done very well and there's a lot of things that was done intentionally to hide information like that um i talked about this a little bit on spiritual smorgasbord but that book that i brought on to talk about uh the immortality key fantastic read it if you're listening to this go read it right now it's a bit of a difficult read but it's definitely worth it and what he did was he went back and explored the the historical origins of modern religion and they more or less i mean pretty definitively started with psychedelics you can't say that for certain because we can't go back there and watch people take psychedelics and then go forward in a thousand years and then watch how like that evolved we can't say that for certain but there are a lot of markers of ancient religions that strongly suggest they were using psychedelics and even um i mean the greeks outright said that they used psychedelics so that's not really up for debate but um those religions and those you could call them cults or even um 
just rituals were adapted by the Catholics or the Christians and then watered down and completely stripped away all of that 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 psychedelic and that real you know conscious awakening facet of the rituals and it became you know what was church look like today you sit in a massive fucking building and drone on you know, chants that you're not even potentially paying attention to with a bunch of other people chanting all the same shit and you're drinking really shitty wine that's been watered down and is basically fucking grape juice and you get this tasteless fucking cracker and it is nothing reminiscent of even early Christian rituals which would have, you know, mirrored or looked quite similar to the rituals that they inherited all of their practices from which involved, I mean, some form of plant based consumption whether or not it was actually psychedelic there was plant medicine being used so i think that i'll i'll blame it on the church even though it's not all going to be a uh, you know the fault of the church for you know suppressing ancient knowledge and suppressing even indigenous knowledge but they definitely played a large role and i have no problem saying that yeah and you have to always wonder who influenced him to do the things that they've done because um, I think one of the things I quoted on that season somewhere it's like how many people do you have to kill before you're a mass murderer or you're a religious movement and you don't get to be you don't get to be a serial killer and the guru and if you I said if you want to study the history of religion you better just study the the history of war because the Mm -hmm. first things that they're going to go after are your beliefs and your history and your art. And you can study that just as far back as, I mean, Jesus Christ, what fucking Hitler did. Did all the shit that they recovered from him, all the things that he took from people, the burning of the Library of Alexandria, the, I mean, even the derogatory statement of pagan, like, Mm-hmm. How they yeah. were just Pagan the became, outsiders yeah. that refused to go to this church. Like, they were fine working with the natural moon cycles. They were fine with using the things from the earth because the things on the earth were compatible with our body. They didn't barter trade. All of, all of these things that are, they seem so third world country to us, right? Like, yeah. there's a reason that it was that and something did come in, whether it was corrupted, perverted humans doing this and realizing that they could go and utilize the masses for whatever their, whatever their agenda mm-hmm. is. But when you start, like my first thing is when I dropped out of college, I had just registered for a world religions class and I was so fucking stoked to take it. But then I dropped out based on reasons we won't get into And I was still so hungry to go back further than what the church I grew up in had told me because I would ask questions that I was not, I was getting stonewalled on. And it was like, oh, all the answers are in the Bible. All the other books will send you to hell. Like basically is what you should say. So I started on Hinduism. Why, how did that come about? What are their beliefs? Why do they believe that way? How could I actually believe that people outside of this faith, like my faith is like, well, if you don't believe this box of information, well, you you have the chance of going to hell. Do not deny your maker. Well, who's my maker? How do you know that that's my maker? Why don't I go and I just, I'm gonna go investigate. I believe mm-hmm. that I'm protected enough from my original source, even though I still, I still have questions. If you ask me my beliefs, they still change all the time based on the research. 
but it's just like, when are y'all gonna wake up and realize that the things that you've been taught have a lot more to do with traumas that you've experienced, indoctrination, and generational traumas that have been passed down over and over and over? Because don't forget to tap into your generational gifts. Everyone's so focused on healing the generational trauma. Don't fucking forget that your ancestors were powerful and they might not be living in the society and the technological advancements that we have today, but they fucking knew something and they were hooked up to something better than us. And you're going to have to give them credit for that because you can actually prove that in yourself. It's going to cause you to break your illusions. It's going to cause you to suffer a little more honestly because when you open your eyes you see the suffering of the world more you see through the facades of every fucking buddy and that's why a lot of people just go into vows of silence and hide in a fucking cave somewhere and they go i'm fucking good okay (laughs) i'm actually just gonna sit over here with my fucking tea and my herbs and my mushrooms and, and i'm fucking good I'm not going to go join a movement and try to change the fucking world because I see and I see you and I love you, but I'm taking a step back from, from being in this race that I was told this is the way, this is the way, this is the way. And if that's the way, they're the wrong way. And if you're not with us, you're against us. And any of these things that are so fucking divisive in all of us, it's despicable to me how divisive everything's come and how everything is pitted against us to then pit us against each other. It's fucking stupid. Go take some mushrooms and find your fucking self, please. So I absolutely agree with everything that you said about getting, you know, encouraging people to get back to kind of our, our ancestral and our spiritual roots to, you know, become a more collectively conscious society about how we are participating. Um, and if you want to, you know, understand more about psychedelics and how you could potentially use psychedelics to achieve something like that, I am trying to make myself a good resource for that. We're growing very slowly, but I post relatively frequently to YouTube and I post a bit more frequently to TikTok, but both of those accounts are uh, Vinny Bag of Donuts. I think on TikTok, it's actually at Bag O Donuts, and on YouTube, it is, I think, the Bag O Donuts. At either rate, the links will be available for Cheyenne's podcast. I am certain of it. Um, and right now, YouTube's growing a little bit more slowly, so if you do me a favor of going to YouTube first and then checking out TikTok, because there's quite a bit more content there, but the stuff on YouTube is a lot more in-depth and much more longer form, and I'm starting to do that a lot more frequently, so there will be more episodes coming up and more videos coming up over there that you can use to educate yourself on psychedelics and then use as a branching off point to, of course, do your own research and independent study about these compounds and how you can use them. Yeah, I have learned so much from you just from TikTok alone. Now I do need to go check out your, your YouTube <laughs> channel. I, I will yeah, say that absolutely. I need to do that. We'll, we'll share likes, right? Um, sure. But I really do think that you're a supremely valuable resource and spreading the responsibility along with the medicine is 100% what you should get out of anything that you're trying to research, but especially with anything that's going to alter your mind. Absolutely. You have to be conscious of the fact or conscientious i should say of the fact that you're you're altering chemicals in your brain so yeah these are immensely powerful compounds yeah Yeah. like don't like don't go fucking balls deep like (laughs) 
we're not telling you to do that, but like do your own research. And Absolutely. Yeah, I think you're a valuable source. I love having you on the show. I love your episode that you did on Spiritual Smorgasbord. I highly recommend you go listen to that too because you always blow my mind and you have such a great cadence and delivery and everything. So, you know, whenever you want to come back on the show, just know you always have a place here to let us ramble off for a couple hours. But, okay, I'm so excited to show you this. So there is a guy who does mashups on YouTube. It's William... Maranci, M-A-R-A-N-C-I, I think is what it's called. And um, Vitality Exposed is going to bring us a mashup track of Deftones, Change in the House of Flies with Britney Spears' Toxic. Wait, I might have heard this already, but okay, play it. Fuck it. I actually think I might have seen a clip of this, but yeah, okay, do it. I, I'm so down for this track right now, and I'm like, thank you, William, so much for making this. I will link it below so you can hear the whole thing, and if you do want to hear or get on any of Vinny's um, social media or even his Gmail, I have it, like, literally click the episode link right under the description. There's all your access to Vinny. So thank you again so much for coming on. I've had such a fucking blast on this episode, and I cannot wait to just collaborate more with you. Absolutely. It's always fun. I'll make sure that I come back. You better. I really hope (laughs) you enjoy this, though. This is the Hoosier Media Network, your home for podcasting.